Hi, everybody. This is Will DeMichaelis. I'm here with Donna, as always. Donna, say hello. Hi. Um, we're here for our latest episode of Death Diner. Uh, Donna is fresh off a trip f- to Atlanta for an ADEC conference. Um, we're going to explain a little bit what that is. And we're going to explain uh, a topic we really haven't covered yet. It's a topic um, for those who aid the grieving and um, some tips and tools to help families with their grief and what sensitivities you should be ha- you should have for their needs. Um, Donna, you want to s- kind of start us off and talk about what you heard at the conference and what we're talking about tonight? Sure. I was at an ADEC conference, and ADEC stands for Association for Deaf Educators and Counselors, and it's an annual conference where we get together to hear different speakers and workshops and experientials on in the grief and loss, death and dying um, department, community departments. And one of the things that we that I felt we touched on quite a bit this this year was on cultural sensitivity and how to work with people who are of a different culture or a different faith background or different life experiences um, to meet their needs instead of coming from where we're at in our personal experiences. And I thought it was a really powerful um real powerful session. I went to several sessions with that theme and I felt my takeaway from them was I needed to take a a good look at how I work with families and see where uh, my insensitivities might have been where I can, from a blind spot where I can be a little more um, sensitive. And I think you called it a lens. Yeah. So I, it's interesting that we, we talk about this because I've phrased this a little bit differently personally. Um, Whenever I walk into an arrangement room to meet with a family who's just lost a loved one, or I'm on the phone with a person who's just lost a loved one, I often forget that I'm me (laughs) and I have my own biases. I see the world through my Mm -hmm. accumulated experience. And I'm bringing that to every phone call Mm -hmm. and every arrangement. And you do your best to check it at the door. Mm -hmm. Um, And in doing so, provide yourself with the most understanding mind Mm -hmm. walking into Mm -hmm. that experience for the family. But it doesn't always happen. And... What can happen is if you don't manage that from the start, uh, you put the family's experience at risk. Yes. Um, unknowingly. Yeah. And, and unintentionally and maybe without any malice, but it can manifest itself that way. Um, if you're on autopilot and not asking the family what they need. I, I would say that you kind of, we kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, if you are a grief counselor, 
or a hospice nurse, chaplain, or social worker, or an arrangement counselor at a funeral home. It's your job to get to know your family. Yes. It's your job to ask them if, if they're having a service, who do you want to preside over it? How do you see it? Get them to paint the picture for you because you know they don't know the questions to ask. Right. You have to facilitate that conversation yes. and get them to paint that picture for you. It's like painting by numbers. Exactly. You know, like yeah. you, if you get the the outline and you just say, "Where? tell me what to do and I'll make sure it happens for you, that's great. But mm-hmm. if you don't and assume things about that person or that family, you can mismanage expectations and you'll have anger on your face. Yeah. And you don't want that from a personal perspective because you didn't do your job well. But moreover, what that really means is that that family's grief experience is more tumultuous and hard than it really needed to be. Absolutely. Um, on the flip side of that coin, as a griever, you have to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult to be because you're not thinking clearly and you don't know what questions to ask. You've never done this before. And you're looking for guidance and mm-hmm. you think that the person that's giving you guidance has your best interest in mind. And most of the time they do. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're not human. They don't make mistakes. Right. And I, you, you want to make sure that you're, whatever is really important to you, whatever pillars that you want to set up for yourself for the arrangements of your loved one, you have to communicate that because mm-hmm. if it's, if it's, if the only place that it exists is in your mind and not verbally to whoever's helping yeah. you, it might not get done. It might not happen. Yeah. And even the most experienced and compassionate counselor or, or chaplain or social worker, whomever you're working with might not see the signs or know what to, to ask if, if they haven't already been at some point discussed prior to this, why I think it's really important to start writing these down even before your loved one passes. So you, while you're still thinking a little clearer than you might be before after they pass, mm-hmm. um, whether that's doing a pre-need with a, you know, a funeral arranger mm-hmm. or talking to the chaplain or the social worker, if you're on hospice or in some other capacity or a faith community, um, because you have that opportunity to have those needs met while you're thinking, you're able to think clearer. Um, because I don't think, I really don't think anybody goes into this situation intending to create pain or intending to make a mistake. And it does happen, but I think there's steps we can take by knowing ourselves. It's almost like counselor, know thyself to know what my, where my boundaries are and what my beliefs are. So I can check those at the door and be there for this family mm-hmm. uh, because I think it's so important for them to have that opportunity to have those needs met. Yeah. Uh, because I think once their needs are validated and they feel cared about, even if there are things that maybe don't go the way you expected, you still feel you walk away feeling like my loved one was taken care of. Yeah. Uh, I and- mean, one of my things when I'm doing a memorial or celebration of life is I want whomever comes to that celebration of life to walk away, knowing who they just celebrated and not walk away going, who was that person? I have no idea who they were talking about. It's so important to to bring that sense of personality and their wishes, their faith community beliefs, whatever it might be. Whatever's important to them. Yes. 
I, there's, it's as, as a type of philosophy, as a social worker, nurse, mm-hmm. or arrangement counselor, you, your job is to counsel or mm-hmm. counsel and to help the healing process. Exactly. And if you, like, I look at those families as a opportunity to help that family Mm -hmm. in their healing process and part of healing most of healing is for them to feel completely understood yes and you can't you can't miss that Mm -mm. because if you miss that they don't feel validated no and there goes your grieving process yeah you it's it's my my thought is most people will get through grief most people do get through their own grief on their own and come to terms with it. Yes. But it's our job in this industry mm-hmm. for the two weeks or so that this family deals with mm-hmm. us that we have the tools in our arsenal yes. to, to, to make it easier for them mm-hmm. to, to be good at our work mm-hmm. and to be proud of our work to say, yeah. like, I know the little nuances to, to be, to, so that they feel understood yeah. and, and understanding that that comfort provides them a level of closure outside of what we, how we're interacting yes. and, and what they're doing for themselves internally and spiritually and emotionally. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, well, you might work with them for two weeks. I might have them for a year or more, but if, if it isn't providing grief support, if, that initial connection isn't made and that expectation isn't met that my needs are going to be listened to and validated. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to want to talk to someone because I'm not going to feel validated. Yeah. I mean, I'll just use a quick, you're just just another patient. You're just another patient. You're just another, you know, name on a piece of paper. I had an incident at the conference, um, that totally messed up my expectations and had someone just explained it in the very beginning that there was this change, I think I would have understood and been able to be more accepting and understanding. Mm -hmm. But because in this initial thing that wasn't met, I was done. I really, yeah, I was, I was just shut down in this one particular part. It wasn't related to the, to the conference or something else, but it reminded me as I took time to think about that was if, if, this were a grief experience and that first initial expectation isn't met and I don't feel heard as the person who's grieving, I'm not really going to want to have you support me because I'm not going to trust you. The yeah. trust is gone. Yeah, it's gone. So credibility is gone. If you don't, you know, being culturally sensitive on many levels helps build that trust. Yeah. Do you want to, you want to talk through the example, one of the example of the it, yeah, it yeah. was it was a room reservation and it was just a mistake, but they didn't tell me upon check-in until I got up many, many flights of stairs to oh get to gosh. it and found out that it wasn't correct. And I went back, I tried calling and I couldn't get anyone. So I went all the way back down for them to basically tell me that it was my fault that, and then they said, well, sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. And I, I showed them the reservation. I showed them everything about it and they just, that was it. And I thought, you know, this isn't starting off on a good, good right. note at all. Did you write him a review? Uh, not yet. Oh, just. <laughs> and what had happened was I had flown into a new city, which I'd never been in. And there was construction at the airport. So I wasn't at the right place for the person to pick me up. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that because I'd followed the airport employee's directions. Sure. 
So that person yelled at me and left and I had to wait for somebody else. And then that first person still charged me, but didn't tell me they were going to charge me, but charged me with a note next time. Don't bother calling until you're where you're supposed to be. So I'd already had experiences of not feeling cared about. So by the time I got to this experience and mind you, I'd been traveling for like nine hours. I was really tired. Mm -hmm. And so, but it made me think about it as a griever. Had I, you know, when I'm grieving or I'm working with someone who's grieving and they might've had these other non-related experiences leading up to meeting with me. And then I don't validate how they're feeling. There's no way trust is gone. Yeah. You know, and, and that can mean, and that, that experience can, yeah, <laughs> those people can be sad. Mm-hmm. They can be upset. They can shut down. They can be irate. Yeah. Any of those. And they have every, and I would, you know, outside looking in, I would understand that. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to contribute to those feelings. I'd hope that with having some compassion and even just listening, teach me what it is you want in this experience so we can put it together. Yeah. Together. Yeah. You know, I think that's where the, not the, oh, I know everything about blah, 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 blah. Teach me what you believe. Teach me how you want this to look, how it would feel. How would it look like? Yeah. And, and I, I, I often do that as, as a counselor, because they're, I just want them to understand that I'm a person too. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm asking you questions and engaging the, in, you mm-hmm. in this. One, because I want to do well at my job. Yep. But also, you're going through a terrible experience, and I'm here to listen to you and, and have sincere interest yep. in what you think, what you have to say, what you believe, and what you want. Yes. Because it matters to me. Because mm-hmm. that's, my, that's, that's my purpose here. That's your, your purpose That's my here. purpose here in your life. Yes. And if I don't live up to that, I'm not any good at what I do. Exactly. And I think it spills over into how we interact on all levels with with each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's the important part because we talk about in the death diner, we talk about end of life and dying. But I think if we take that sensitivity into our everyday life, it will spill over into this work too because it's who we are. Yeah. And it does, but it's also important to recognize when I'm not being that authentic, transparent person and figure that out, but not while I'm with the family later on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't affect it. Yeah. Um, because we all have bad days. We're yeah. all, hu- like you said, we're all human. And we all have conscious and unconscious biases. Mm-hmm. And, and as counselors, we should in my opinion, be smart enough to understand when they're rearing their head. Exactly. Because like we, we deal with emotion mm-hmm. on a, on a daily mm-hmm. basis and we, we should be experts yeah. on ourselves. And that spills into how do we take care of ourselves as counselors when we're catching ourselves doing that? Mm-hmm. Because maybe there's some more self care we can be doing. Maybe there's something we can be doing outside so that when we're working with our families, we're on point. Yeah. And that's the important part Yeah, is going, okay, this is something maybe I need to look at, but not here. Yeah. It's a, it's a quid pro quo. You have, you have to treat yourself well to treat others well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a really interesting topic. Um, And I I think we're more sensitive here in Southern California because we're used to working with other cultures. 
Yeah, that's, that can um, be true. But yeah. even though that's the situation, I also think it's important to always be mindful. Yeah, I think I think other places get that. Basically, if you're in any type of melting pot, mm-hmm. big city, mm-hmm. anything like that, you you experience some diversity and respecting that. Yeah, and I when you talk about lenses, I talk about like the, the best practice to be mindful of for myself. Yeah. I actually use that for myself. Like I, I try to remove, I'm never going to completely remove my lens because mm-hmm. it's always there. They're my eyes. Right. But if you, if I can actively, like when I know I'm going to get into a conversation that's really ripe, mm-hmm. you know, raw, mm-hmm. raw emotion, mm-hmm. raw human connection like that about death and dying and grief um, and loss, I actively put the lens down, like yeah, put it down, take it off, see as clear as possible who this person is and who they see themselves as. Exactly, which is the most important thing. Take their perspective. Uh-huh. Take their perspective so you can serve their needs. Exactly. Yeah. It's not easy to do. It's yeah. not easy to do, especially if you don't take care of yourself and you're burnt out and you're burnt out. Exactly. It's like, I'm, and you might not even realize it until someone points it out or you walk into a situation and at the end you're like, Oh, that's not how this should have gone. Gone. Yeah. And you don't want to, I don't want to get into that space of having that experience. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought was interesting recently, I heard uh, they're called, um, instead of a melting pot, I've heard it as a salad that we all bring a different, almost like, Lettuce, lettuce, or, <laughs> with, and some are uh, cucumbers and bell peppers and onions and all, and we come together as a salad on a bed of lettuce, which I thought was kind of cool because it means we all have our own unique traits. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, we, we, yeah, that's actually a great point. Unique texture, unique taste, yep. everything. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one too. And you know, and it's important to remember that um, to kind of go come in with a. Not a clear clear slate, but an open slate. Just trusting that what the conversation you're about to have is is going to be authentic and honest and compassionate. Yeah, open minded, mm-hmm. um, wide viewpoint. Yeah. Don't don't walk in anywhere with blinders on. Yeah, um, I, I've done this. You know, mm-hmm. I've done it. You know, when and I I never felt good about it. Mm-hmm. Like I know those arrangements that I came out of, and it was just like you know what I could have, I could have spent another 10 minutes in there and done a better job. Mm-hmm. I could have done a better job. Yeah. I yeah. think we've all have those moments Yeah, and they're teachable moments to yeah. remind us because it's going to happen. We're human. Mm-hmm. And I think the takeaway for this evening for me is just to be mindful of cultural sensitivities and, um, not just cultural, but just each individual's needs and wants and desires and how how they feel validated because they're grieving the death of someone they love dearly, whether they were in their life for a couple of minutes to hours, if it's a newborn, to, you know, an older grandparent, parent, and everything in between that yeah. we're, we're honoring a life. Mm-hmm. And there's no labels to that other than love. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of my takeaway. And, and from what I walked away from the conference was to be rem- mindful of honoring the uniqueness of everybody I work with, whether Mm -hmm. they're dying, whether they're grieving, whether they're anticipating the loss, 
whatever yeah. the situation is, um, some newly diagnosed um, who I've worked with who aren't to the end stage yet, and they're starting to ex- come to terms with that and what that means for them and to come from that place of compassion yeah. and understanding and allow them to have their experience, not the experience I think they should have, but the experience that they're having. Yeah. That's my takeaway. That's exactly how you should feel. And I think some of the, some of the tips to do that well are to ask, ask a lot of questions, engage your families sincerely and, and bring out their feelings, emotions, wants and needs Mm -hmm. so that, you create an environment and safe space for them to share that Absolutely. And, and be that sounding board or else they're just going to keep it bottled up. Yeah. And that's not healthy. No, no. And it's not helping you do your job. Nope. Yeah. Nope. No, you're not helping. You, you, you're not in a position to help them if they're, if they're like that. If they're like that. Exactly. So provide a calm, safe space, uh, approach them unbiasedly, mm-hmm. approach them with an open mind be willing to listen, be willing to accept other cultures, even though you may not agree with their belief systems. Exactly. And good put, point. put your belief systems aside and realize that that's your lens. You need to put it down, take their perspective and serve that need. It's not about you. Sorry, Donna. You're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I think this has been a wonderful episode and uh, and it really kind of helped me talk through some of the things that I had walked away from the conference kind of just rolling around in my head. So thank you for get me, giving me an opportunity to, to w- talk it through. And hopefully those who are listening can also think about it, how it affects them in their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope there's some, there are some good takeaways here. Good topic of conversation, um, some learning opportunities. I hope everyone enjoys it. Thank you so much. See you next time. See you next time, everybody.